Welcome to a football show. Thursday edition. Christmas, holiday, festivus for the rest of us. Happy Kwanzaa, happy Hanukkah, whatever it is you celebrate. Welcome to the program. Zach, it is good to see you. I know you're playing her today. Uh, so it is wonderful to see your shining face back in the saddle on a football show, my friend. Yeah, it feels good to be back. Uh, I wish I, I wish I was feeling like 100%, but, you know, I'm here and I'm ready. Always playing through. Hardest worker man in Titans media. <laughs> you are you are Ryan Tannehill post second ankle injury. You've gone to the locker room. You've been taped up and you're coming back out for bigger and better things. Uh, you're going to lead us on a, on, a, on a drive to tie the game at the end of regulation only to watch the defense give up uh, a game-winning drive. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. We're going to talk about the Titans-Texans game, of course. It is Malik Willis time. Uh, he will be the starter, according to multiple reports out there. Uh, it looks like we've got all kinds of questions about injuries. We've got a Derrick Henry situation with the Texans that we know is going to be fun to track, especially behind this offensive line. We've got a couple of college football news and notes at the end of the show. We'll touch on the portal and some National Signing Day stuff and some some recruiting stuff. But uh, obviously, Titans-Texans are going to be prominently here prominent here on the show before we even say how much we love kingston group and the pharmacy i, I want to ask you one just one basic question and i want your i didn't tell you what this was, this was going to be follow us on twitter by the way at efforts pod at, at Braden gall at 440 sports broadway sports media turn on the notifications jump into the comments i uh, if if in fact ryan Tannehill never plays another snap for the tennessee titans how do you define his career in nashville uh, as a success, I mean, he basically got the Titans out of quarterback purgatory. They could easily just be going right back into quarterback purgatory, which which I'm talking to people right now in a chat, and I'm saying that it could easily be another 14 years between Steve McNair and Ryan Tannehill and Ryan Tannehill between another player. And they're like, well, would you consider the Jets a quarterback purgatory? Well, fuck yeah. yeah. They're in the very yeah. definition of quarterback purgatory because they're number one pick. And they're like, well, what about Mike White? You know, I mentioned it, Mike White, on football and other efforts. When he won his first game uh, back for the Jets this year, and he got the AFC Offensive Player of the Week or AFC FedEx Air Thrower, whatever that fucking stupid ass thing is, <laughs> he had five point eight yards per attempt. He's mm. not good. Can he be good enough to help them win games? Yes. Is Mike White ever going to hold a Lombardi? No, and no. you're a quarterback purgatory if you do not have franchise quarterback that can win you in a uh, Super Bowl. Now, I know that differs for Ryan Tannehill among fans, whether he can win a Super Bowl, whether he can't. I'll tell you this, Mike Shanahan would be throwing puppies into an, uh, the ocean, drowning them for Ryan Tannehill right now. So <laughs> Kyle, think, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think okay. that he, I think that Ryan Tannehill right now could win teams the Super Bowl and he kept the quarter he kept the Titans relevant and kept them competitive throughout all of the, his years throughout the the season and that's all you can really ask for a quarterback at this point unless you have like a Patrick Mahomes S type which you know hey if they lose out they could possibly get in the top 10 and maybe they luck into trading up trading back who knows but they put themselves in a little bit better situation so uh let me say thanks to the Kingston Group and to Pharmacy for sponsoring us now because I wanted to get your answer to that question first. Right to content, baby, right? Get right to content. And special thanks to the Pharmacy for sponsoring us this entire football season. Of course, they're going to be with us for uh, for hopefully as long as they want to be around. The Pharmacy, of course, over there in McFerrin Avenue in East Nashville. They've also got a location downtown if you want to swing by. Great place to get out of the house. 
if you need to grab lunch, you know, and you got the in-laws in town, you just need to sneak out and go grab a burger and a beer. Maybe just take the edge off, take a deep breath. Don't look at a screen. Just talk to your buddies, talk to your spouse, talk to your brother, whoever may be needing to get out of the house with you. Maybe it's your kid. Just go hang out at the pharmacy, take a deep breath, enjoy the ambiance, the mellow vibes, right? Lots of good mellow vibes in there. Enjoy that. Eat some really good food and, and recharge to go back into the to the fray and <laughs> to the holiday season back at your house, which, of course, if you need renovating, you should obviously remember the name, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. If you need to add an extra wing for all those in-laws, uh, obviously, the Kingston Group can take care of that for you. Nose to tail operation, Nashville's locally owned custom home and award winning custom home and remodeling firm. So make sure you check them out. The Pharmacy Burger and, of course, the Kingston Group. Now, let me ask you this. Pre-arm elbow injury, why is Ryan Tannehill all that different from Marcus Mariota? Because he's good? Uh, I don't understand the question. What do you mean? I, I mean, I, I, I still do not understand people. Like, Ryan Tannehill is, a, is like the 14th, at his best, was like the 12th to 13th to 14th best quarterback in the NFL. If, the great, if a great defense and running game was on well, his no, team. Well, no, at his best, during, he, he was ball. a top five quarterback in the NFL at his best. When you look at all the statistics, he was a top five quarterback at, at his best. So, okay, he plays his best game three games in a row. He can be Joe Flacco and can win a Super Bowl. Why would that, why would, if Marcus Mariota plays his three best games, I mean, he he brought this him out is, of purgatory into relevancy. I, yeah. For like a season, and then he kicked us right back in. I mean, the injuries matter. I mean, they just matter. I, I'm, I, that's part of his legacy. After the injury, he was never the same. He sucked. He was shitty. And then he, on the same fucking team in 2019, he sucked, got benched. Ryan Tannehill took him uh, to the AFC Championship game. Well, there's no, there's no argument that Tannehill was better in 2019. And I mean, I mean, if you're I ranking, I mean, he's the best quarterback in in outside of Warren Moon. He is the best quarterback for the Titans, and I think that's like saying, I th yeah, why wouldn't he be? Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than Steve McNair. Yeah. Is he is he a better Titans player? It's kind of like AJ Brown and Derek Mason, right? Like AJ Brown's the most talented, is the most talented wide receiver to ever come through the doors of Tennessee Titans. But technically, Derek Mason is the better wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans because he stuck around for 10 years or however long it was. Ryan Tannehill's the most talented quarterback to come through the the doors here at Tennessee Titans. It's been proven. Statistically, I don't care about that little fraud co-MVP thing. Maybe McNair was more fun to watch, and maybe more, more people is felt McNair is more beloved and less controversy around McNair because he had such a, um, I guess, profound impact on the team. But Ryan Tannehill is the better quarterback. It doesn't oh, man, necessarily that's mean wild. You don't think that Ryan Tannehill is the better wild. Pass, you don't think Ryan Tannehill is the better passer. I, I so it's funny. I, this was not intended to be where I was going to take this this, this show because we want to talk about Malik Willis and the Texans game and a lot of other things. We've already got some questions about, of course, the GM and Vrabel, and so we'll get to all your questions. Please stay in there, stay in the chat, and we'll, we'll get to those. Uh, Sobro says I don't remember Mariota making nearly as many tight window throws as Tannehill either. I don't remember. Well, he, he did. It just went to the other team. You forget. You know, I don't he, remember he Tannehill making any of the big plays that Marcus Mariota made. I, here's what I would say: I don't see. First of all, Steve McNair to what? me is what. Fucked. Let's stay with Steve McNair first before you yell at me about Mariota. Let's stay with Steve McNair first. I don't think it's even close. Steve McNair is better and more talented than Ryan Tannehill. I, I then how come he never showed it? Because he, he, he played. He played for an offense 
that was ev- way worse than anything Tannehill played with in 19 and 20. He played well, in a year I, when the NFL wasn't the same. The rules were different. He played for a coaching staff. Like it's some of it's similar. Eddie George and Derrick Henry, some of that's similar. I I just think Steve McNair had came through at a different ta- time and era in, in in football. And from a pure talent and skill standpoint, I don't think it's who's I, the better thrower. Better. Who's the better throw? Like stand on a who's spot. Who's the better passer? A, I think Steve McNair's a better passer. No. Nah. No, you're you're totally <laughs> incorrect. That is crazy. Now, Mariota to me is not a better like I think Mariota has different things. Like he was an extraordinary athlete. I also think he came along when the roster was dog shit and helped usher them into success with two bad, not one bad coach, but two bad coaches. And then his arm was destroyed, and that that's that. It was Viper Evil's second season, nerve endings in the arm, permanently damaged. I don't him. think he listen. The nerve indie stuff isn't really what what started his downfall. It was the Christmas Eve. Here we are, Christmas Eve. Um, <laughs> talking about it all that, comes. That it all Chris, comes full circle. <laughs> that Christmas Eve Jacks game, and now you're going to have a Christmas Eve Texas game. And listen, Ryan Tannehill, if they bring him back, may never be the Ryan Tannehill that he was ever again. But the Christmas Eve Jacks game is where Mar- Mariota's downfall was, and unfortunately, made a glass. You're made a glass. Don't well, have, that, you don't have no the gumption, you don't have the gumption. Tannehill also missed large chunks of time in Miami and is now injured here as well. So I, I just I think Tannehill's better, potentially. I just don't think you can say that the Titans purgatory starts at the end of McNair's career and, and begins with Tannehill, because I don't think Tannehill is significantly better than Mariota. I think Tannehill... At his best. You're 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 a fucking idiot, and we need to change the subject <laughs> because that is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen, have heard, have read. That's that insulting. is ridiculous. Ryan Tannehill is ten times the quarterback that Marcus Mariota has yeah. ever been. Okay, I think I think his career statistics are fairly modest and average outside of two. Yeah, one and, but, one and, and a half. That's seasons. what I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing there, but what I'm saying is that Marcus's career sucks. Okay. He's a terrible quarterback, and he and you could blame nerve endings, but he's been what three years removed from the nerve endings. He still hasn't fucking done anything of note. He fucking oh, I think sucks. he was yeah, I think he was broken in the Miami game yeah. for sure. I think he his but body it, was permanently broken. Yeah, and that's well, and that's I mean, a part of it. That's, that's part from of it. it. He the, he doesn't have a passion for the game. He fucking sucks. I that is absolutely ridiculous. So you don't think that Ryan Tannehill is above beyond head and shoulders better than Marcus? It is absolutely ludicrous and asinine. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas to you. I hope you feel better, my man. Um, I Listen, if we're going to be into cur- quarterback purgatory, all I'm really getting at here is that quarterback purgatory is significantly worse than nine and seven, nine and seven and winning playoff games. That, that, that's all I'm saying. I do, that's, I do that's, agree that's, with that. That's what Mariota delivered. And I'm not saying he's great. I'm not saying he's awesome. I'm not saying he's wonderful. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm just saying quarterback purgatory to your exact point at the beginning is the Jets. The quarterback purgatory is the Bears for for 35 years. Quarterback purgatory is the Browns for 35 years. It is just incapable of finding someone who can even deliver a winning season. And at least McNair, I mean, even Kerry Collins delivered a winning season, right? So, like, there's been more there there than just Tannehill. Yeah, but the Kerry Collins thing, you knew Kerry Collins wasn't your long-term answer. Like, you knew after in the 2017 season, Marcus was not the long-term answer. 
If I, you didn't know it, then you didn't fucking watch 2017 season. 2019, that tells me you need to know. end of 18, beginning of 19 is when I was like, I, yeah, and that's when they yeah, went and got 2017. Was, the, the, when I was officially out on Marcus as the quarterback was the 2017 Thursday night football game against the Steelers where they had the, the horrible camera and you got to see every piss poor decision he makes and he continued to make throughout his whole season. Well, this leads us right into the game this weekend because it's official now. Ryan Tannehill, Nate Davis, Christian Fulton, Ben Jones, Terrence Mitchell. Whew, that's a big one. Dylan Cole, uh, Pro Bowl alternate Dylan Cole, and Josh Thompson have officially been ruled out for the Tennessee Titans. So I want to talk Malik Willis because I, I am actually, through all of this drama, I am actually more excited as an objective observer to see what happens with the Titans next, whether it's the front office, whether it's the quarterback position, offensive coordinator, free agency offseason, I'm so excited to actually see what happens. Not like in an, like in a, like an evil way, just like I'm interested in it. I think it's, it's dramatic, but what, what will the starting offensive line look like on, on Saturday? Oh, um, <laughs> what's your guess? Gosh, I guess you would go. Oh crap. Let me, let me pull up that list again. Cause that's a long list. Um, Davis is out. Davis ben Jones is out. out. So, and Raidens has already been ruled out. So you would have to assume <laughs> left guard it, Brewer center. Though I think what they're going to do is they're going to do Daly Brewer Munyer in the middle because they signed okay. Daniel Munyer. I think he's going to be the center. I think Jordan Ruse is yep. going to be the right yep. guard, and yep. then NPF. Uh, so I have Daly. Levin, Brewer, Roos, yeah. NPS. Levin could be the starter at center. Brewer's left guard. Now, those two, yeah, those two. That's hard. That's harder to predict because what hurts you less, I guess. <laughs> I asked that question only so that the two of us had to try to answer it. <laughs> yeah, in, in real time. Oh my gosh! Because while Derrick Henry has, we all know the number: two hundred eleven yards, two hundred twelve yards, two hundred fifty-six yards, two hundred nineteen yards. An extraordinary, truly like an extraordinary run against the Houston Texans that cannot go overlooked with just it's you historic. Have to, you have to say how incredible that is. And then you have to follow it up with if you can even come close to anything like that with that collection of dudes in front of you, just put him in the hall of fame. Just put him in the hall of fame. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. If he, here's the thing about the, this whole Malik Willis headed into the playoffs and all this stuff that's going around. And, you know, if you're racist, if you don't think Malik Willis is going to take him to the Super Bowl, and <laughs> you're, you know, I mean, it's just all kinds of shit going down. God, holiday season makes people go crazy. It does. Um, here, Here's where I'm at. And I, and I know I'm asking a lot, and I asked a lot in a tweet yesterday, and I even said it's a large demand. There is nothing you're going to be able to take away from Malik Willis by and large about his progress these next three weeks. And I say three weeks because they're not making it to the playoffs at this point through no fault of Malik Willis. No, the offensive line. Look at who we just argued over or not really argued, but who we tried to pick out from. And let me say something. I don't know if Nate Davis is going to come back this year. And that starts me down a rabbit hole of should they even really sign Nate Davis? Are they signing him? out of desperation because at this point the guy can't finish a fucking season. Okay. And then on top of that, Ben Jones is going to be out at least the next two games. You know, Raiden's is out. So, you know, you're going to have Dennis Daly out there. It's a mess. And yeah. there's not going to be a lot of takeaway from Malik Willis, other than you're going to have the people with the preconceived notions that 
Malik Willis sucks. He's always going to suck, no matter what. It's nobody else's fault but Malik Willis's. How can who, anybody actually have a judgment on Malik Willis right now? Oh, because of preconceived notions. They thought yeah. that when he got drafted, he was going to be a bust. So automatically, everything that they have about Malik Willis is always going to be that he sucks. And then you're going to look over at the other side, and it's going to be the people who think that Malik Willis is the ne- next Patrick Mahomes, and it's everybody else's fault. Well, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Yep. And there's going to be great throws by Malik Willis. There's going to be really shitty throws made by Malik Willis. And then there's going to be really bad plays because the offensive line sucks. That's just how it's going to be for the next three weeks. Henry agrees with you. Um, not Derek. My dog, Henry, uh, agrees with you. <laughs> um, although Derek probably also yeah. a- agrees with you as well. I, I Listen, I, I, I think the one of the most important points that I think you've made, and I think other people have made it as well, is that Oh, we, we let's let's see Malik for three games and see if he's the guy. No, that's that's not going to happen because of all the things you just said with the offensive line. Yes, there's going to be some. They're going to get Traylon Burks back. He participated in full on Wednesday. It looks like he should be back. So having Chig developed more into the offense, who's right now at 15 yards per catch, one of the most explosive players on yeah. the entire team. So throw the ball to Chig. And Burks coming back is going to be helpful. I, I think it's funny. And, I think- and it, Racy McMath and Malik Willis, we've seen a connection there. Now, again, it's still Racy McMath and Malik Willis, but we have seen it work in the preseason. I think you can actually learn, to your point, I think you can actually learn more by listening to his teammates' comments about how things are happening in Malik Willis's game and week of preparation and then in the game than you can actually by watching the actual plays themselves, which is weird. Totally which is weird, but like when you hear somebody say he looks like he's so much more in command or Todd Downing says, we're not asking him questions anymore. We're having discussions. Or when Vrabel says he looks so much more comfortable, like these are the things that, that I think you're seeing him polish his game to a place where, and this is what I think we can do with Malik Willis. If they were to cut ties with Ryan Tannehill, which is very possible, they could trade him. They could cut him. There's a lot of ways it could happen. I don't think it's very possible. I think it's possible. Like I, I, I'm not as confident because I listened to the show on Monday. I'm not as confident. Yeah, it's possible. But you guys think like you and Mike think that it's very possible. Like it's the the likeliest of all scenarios. It sounds like maybe that's not, but that's what it's coming off as. And to me, it's maybe the third or fourth most likely scenario. What, what's like, one and what's one and two? One is they keep Ryan Tannehill and they extend him, and two they just bring in a bridge quarterback and and go from there. So restructure the deal is number yeah. one on your list. Yeah. Okay, and you're saying that when you say bridge, you're saying like a Teddy Bridgewater or someone, and that Teddy Bridgewater gets a start or comes in halfway through Malik Willis because Malik Willis isn't anything. But you're saying that's without Ryan Tannehill, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm I just saying don't think that they're, that it's like officially Mick Malik Willis season next year. I don't gotcha. think that's a very high high probability I, I see what you're saying so that's where we would i it's not what i mean is that Tannehill is no longer here yeah not not that they're whatever the solution is it could be a variety of things it could be another draft pick it could be willis it could be a bridge quarterback like you're talking about i'm just saying should they move on from Tannehill? which is when i say very possible i don't mean very likely i just mean it's a very real possibility gotcha. that they move on from him and if they do what i think and again i laid this out on twitter what i think is the right strategy is to use the the full year, draft some offensive linemen, draft some receivers, change your coordinator, get the situation right, get the environment right, to then learn for a full season about Willis. And if he's not the answer, you draft somebody in a very loaded 24 class, or, again, with your new GM, 
with your new coordinator, with new offensive linemen, with new receivers, like put it all in place so that when you do go out and try to find your guy potentially in the draft, if it's not Willis, then you've got a bunch of stuff around him that's going to help him succeed earlier in evolving the offense. Now, I think personally, I've kind of tell me if you agree or not. I think Willis has a lot of really exceptional tools. And if he is going to continue to get praise for mental development, mental focus, confidence in the huddle, all the little weird things that people are saying about him around the edges that aren't on the field necessarily, I think that gives him a better chance to be, should they move on from Tannehill, a better chance to be the trial guy next year. Like, let's see if he's got it. Let's see if he's it. Let's see if he's got the the things that we need that can evolve the offense. And if not... We lose a bunch of games and we have a better draft pick and we know to move on. Yeah, I, I, so. I, I agree. It's it's hard for me to figure out where I land on this whole thing without having a general manager in place. Because, you know, okay, if it's if it's someone internal, then I I agree. I think that if Malik plays well well enough these next three games and continues to show improvement behind the scenes, then yes, then I think that is a higher likelihood of happening. But if it's a completely new GM, that's gonna that's gonna yeah. throw everything out the yep. window. It's it, it's hard for me. That's where it's where it's at. And there is, I hate I hate bringing it up because I don't believe it, but there is a possibility that we that if they lose out, oh, where do you land on Vrabel keeping his job? Oh, is it, I, uh... you know, like where does what? <laughs> and here's the thing: is because. God it's hard for me it. to decide about <laughs> where I land on Amy Adams drunk. It's not about me. This is not a me opinion. It's, uh, yeah, it's does Amy, does Mike Vrabel make butt heads like Mike Malarkey did on the way out? And maybe something is going on there. Like maybe the, the four wins and nobody's showing up to Christmas Eve game and nobody's showing up for the, the, the finale against the, you know, and all this stuff. Like, where where does that leave Amy Adams drunk? And that's that you gotta allow for the possibility yeah, that she is like her dad, even though I do not think so. I personally do not think so. There is that small possibility that she could be like her dad and say, I'm man. gonna start completely over. Man, you you man it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Like, I mean, I hate talking about it because I don't I, think it's likely uh, and it would destroy me, but wouldn't it make sense? I don't think so. I don't think so. You're, but you're just you're again. You're not asking. Yeah. For, you're you're talking through Amy Adams' yeah. perspective, through her eyes' perspective, right. not yeah. our perspective. Because I think I, like both of our perspectives are can't fuck a fire Mike Frabel. That's yes, insane. Yes. I think he's a top five or seven coach in the NFL. I think firing yes. him, like uh, to me, there, there's a strategy here in the in this sort of evolution for the titans right like you you've you've pinpointed the first problem which is in your opinion if you're amy adams drunk john robinson right the roster the draft choices the management of the personnel hasn't been good enough okay fine i don't know how you like the dude won coach of the year (laughs) last year he's never had a losing season now it could end up being that way this year potentially to your point but i don't think you can do the gm the quarterback and the coach all in one off season i think i think that's asking a lot traditionally better to do it that way 
Not if Mike Vrabel was part of the process here and making the decisions. Well, like, I just, you know, you look back at all these other places that have done it that way and have had success, and I wonder if she looks at it that way. Like, I'm looking at it from what does she yeah. view with her DNA? What does she view is going <laughs> on here? But in the end, I mean, we've kind of gotten off on a wild tangent that would be good for the offseason talk. Well, but I think it's interesting, though, because I think watching Willis – and going back to your original point, let, to your point, yeah. let's get back on track here. What here's I think I don't think there's anything Willis can do to like negatively prove anything. I don't think he's going to negatively prove that he's not the guy. But if he does go out and excel with this offensive line, with these pass catchers, with with this situation, he can sort of start to answer some questions on the positive side. Do, how likely do I think that is? Uh, uh. Well. I Not, think there's a good but. sign that they they feel more comfortable opening up the playbook. I think they got a backup quarterback in Josh Dobbs that is closer to Malik Willis than Ryan Tannehill is. And I've always thought that Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis really aren't the same quarterback. And I've never really thought this system, I've never thought that the system was good. Are you frozen? Or are you just really still? No, I'm, oh, just, I'm just messing with my camera here, man. <laughs> okay. Just messing with um, my camera. I've never really thought that Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis in this system were were all cohesive enough. I, I've thought that before. I've thought that when I was scouting all the quarterbacks, I would say if you're getting Malik Willis, you can't use this system. You're talking it's about evolving. System. You're talking about yeah. evolving the offense into some modern NFL, right? Stuff. But yeah. it's also it's not made. He's not a long developing route kind of guy, right? He wasn't that guy. And he, it's going to take him a long developing road to get there. Now, listen, he's been doing a lot of scout team, a lot of valuable reps of practice. So this idea, it's kind of like Tim Kelly, right? When people said, oh, you guys see what you got in Tim Kelly. Well, you got to see what you got in Malik Willis. This is before Ryan Tannehill got injured. Right. Well, no, they, they know. You're, you, when you are starting Malik Willis over a healthy Ryan Tannehill, for instance, and when people were saying this, they – that that's insane because they know what they got Malik Willis. They they're they're actively scouting him in practice and in yeah. everything. Yeah. They know what they got. Now, yes, you want to get some in-game reps if you if you can if the opportunity arises, but the opportunity was never let's bitch oh, Ryan right. Tannehill. Right. Ryan Tannehill as a healthy player is starting one million percent of the time. So it's like you know, you're just wanting fa fans are wanting service, right? They want they're wanting to get you know some little action for themselves, so they know what yeah. they have in Malik Willis. And here's the thing: when you when you look at what Malik Willis is going to do in the in these next three games, it's going to be about looking at every throw in a vacuum, right? And then yep. once you look Sorry. at every throw in a vacuum, you have your good plays, your bad plays, and your neutral plays, plays that are not his fault or one way or the other and seeing how that progresses. Does one number get higher? One number get lower as the season progresses, because you're talking about, are we, let's be honest here. Who needs to go sit in five degree weather? Listen, Kevin Byard said, don't even fucking show up. He wouldn't blame you. Who's going to go in five degree weather to go watch them hey, run the ball 50 times. It'll be like 13 by noon. Okay. Yeah. It'll be like 13. No. So here, but do you, do you agree that there's nothing he can do over these next three games to let again, let's say hypothetically, they I, move on from Ryan Tannehill. There's nothing he can do to lose the opportunity to start next year, but there is stuff he could do to gain 
ground on the opportunity, now, right? He's Isn't technically that... never going to lose opportunity because he's their quarterback too. And whoever they bring in, they'll talk about it being an open competition. Whoever wins the job, whoever wins the job. You get what I'm saying? Like it's always. But do, but you, you started this by saying we're not going to be able to analyze Malik Willis in these three games. More than likely because of the offensive line, you're not going to be able to. And I, and I do agree with that. But you're I, I don't. What when I'm I say saying that, is if he if he does something special, then he all he all, I guess it's a win win for him, yeah. in my opinion. It's a win win. If he goes out yeah. and does something crazy, does something. But if he's absolutely will, dog shit, like absolutely dog shit and it, there's <laughs> no good throw. Then, yeah. then he lost the yeah. job, right? I mean, I, I don't think that you saw enough in the Chiefs game. And I think the Chiefs game and the Texans game are a good starting place, right? So if the games are worse and it's not, and, it's, and when you break down each bad throw and you say, okay, well, he had protection and he had this and that, because you have to go in there. You're not going to be able to just watch the game. A fan yeah. is not going to be able to watch. Here, here's what I mean. Okay, here's what I mean. When I say you are not going to be able to get any takeaways, I mean you, the fan. The general fan is not going to be able to find any takeaways from watching the TV and watching the game live and walking away from just watching that, you know, 60 minutes of football, even though I know it's in a longer time, watching that game of football and walk away with any any opinion, qualified opinion. Un now, unless, unless he is spectacular. Yeah, unless right? he's spectacular, right? right? Because even if he's dog shit, until you start breaking down the film, until you yes. start looking at this yeah. and looking at that and, and looking at all yep. the scheme and everything, you're not going to be able to know anything. Walking away from the game unless he's absolutely spectacular and have an opinion that he sucks yeah, is agree. the wrong way to do it. And that's what I mean. When I say you, I mean you, the fans, because like you're going to see clips. You're going to see people break it down. You'll probably see J.T. O'Sullivan, the quarterback school, break down all of his throws, and then you're going to be able to see – What's on Malik? What's on the scheme? What's on the offensive line? And there you go. Right, because he could get sacked six times. Yeah. But but if on the one time he had time to throw, he missed the wide-open Burks on the second progression, well, that's not a good play by him. Yeah. But you can't see that in the in the game. That's the why That's why you got to yeah. like kind of use the Chiefs game and Texas game as the barometer, as the baseline, and figure out when you start when – when people start diving into the clips – What's really his fault? Yeah. What's not his fault? Don't walk away with a yeah, yeah. with yep, some opinion. And that's what I mean. And I to me you that means to people. me that means he's kind of playing with house money here. Like to some degree, right. Willis. I agree. Nothing was expected of him. I don't think the staff expects him to go out there and do anything spectacular. So if he does something, because he does have this pretty rare athletic ability, if something does happen, then I think it's all house money for him. Now, on the other side of this equation, because there's some positives. Again, Burks didn't play in those two games. He's going to be back this time. Chig has become more of an offense. The problem is the offensive line is worse. And the real reason they won the Texans game the first time, and it's because they, they had like 90 yards of offense, the Texans did, until the final drive because the defense was healthy and dominant, and the defense was healthy and dominant against the Chiefs. And that is a – we are not there anymore. We're, we're not there. Well, and the, the Chiefs almost just beat the Cowboys or the, the Texans almost just beat the Cowboys and the Chiefs. They're playing some of their best football right now. Well, I mean, you're talking about, okay, Autry's going to be back. Avery's going to be back, which I know that's it's better than what they've had. And then you're also going to have presumably Zach Cunningham's going to be back if they're going to let Dylan Cole nurse his ankle injury. So the defense is going to look, I think, better than what it has. 
and it looked really good against Chargers, and it is going up against the Texans. That's that's so that's valid. That's a valid point. <laughs> I do I do think it's going to look better than what it has the last on the four game losing streak. My concern is that this is a, for a lack of a better term, a surging Texans team. I know they haven't won any <laughs> games, but they have been. 10 times more competitive than what they were when the Titans first faced them last time. So I don't think now I do think the five degree weather helps everything because I do think that Derrick Henry is really going to be punishing some people and people are going to be making some business decisions. God, can you imagine, can you imagine like on the first drive, you get out there, it's 12 degrees, and you're yeah. like, oh, shit, 252 pounds? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I, don't but wanna, I, mean, I don't want to do this. Then on the flip side, you know, the Texas playing a dome. You know, they're used to that. They used to control temperatures. You got Davis Mills, but then you also have Malik Willis. Does he even really yeah. play out in the cold very well? It's, uh, yeah. you know, Roger McCreary's talking about wearing Vaseline and all this stuff. Like, it's going to be... Be nasty. A weird fucking game. <laughs> it's gonna be that, but again, like I, I'm as a non-Titans fan, like I am genuinely fascinated by this game. I, it, I'm fascinated it, about the I repercussions. I agree because I think right. there is gonna be ripple effects with how this team is handled in the offseason based on what happens in these next three games. Uh, that I completely agree but with. As far as being excited for the game itself, without that included, no, I'm not, I'm not excited for any of these games. It's it's more train wreck. Uh, interest and intrigue. Like I'm excited for it because it's going to be so cold because it's going to be, you know, Malik Willis because it's going to be kind of messy and sloppy and weird and strange. And there's, I bet you there's some, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like weird special teams calls and going for fake punts and going for it on fourth downs. Like I, I just expect it to feel almost like a bowl game. <laughs> like, like it's just going to kind of be called differently and played weirdly, maybe more conservative, but then also more, more risky in some situations because you don't trust Maybe your kicker outside of a certain distance in the weather. Like it's just, it's just gonna be weird. And I'm I kind of look forward to that weirdness. Um, and it's a game I think they can win, even without Tannehill and Jones and Davis and all these guys. I still think they can win the game. And and that, of course, will give Rabel an opportunity to have a winning record, of course. Um, should they get the one against against the Texas this weekend. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to it in a like Iowa Kentucky bowl game train wreck kind of fashion. Well, they, they're going to have to win two or three to get the the winning record because it's yeah. Eight, I'm eight. assuming assuming you beat Jacksonville. Is, is, oh well, I, but I wouldn't assume that. But that's, that's a big uh, assumption. No, no, I'm I'm not personally picking that. I'm just <laughs> to make the playoffs and win the division, you got to beat Jacksonville. So yeah. that, that that's the only thing that's left on the table. Winning record. You beat Houston and Jacksonville, and you can keep the winning record streak streak going. So I'm obviously uh, rooting for Super Bowl, which would be an awesome Malik Willis, Colin Kaepernick esque <laughs> run. But in all honesty, if, if Super Bowl is completely off the table for this team of destiny that uh, they would be coined, um, yeah, I'm all I'm all good for them losing out. I'll be quite honest. I'll be that I'll be that fan because I'd rather have a the the top ten pick than anything else. So you so you are now closer to. So this is it's so funny because this is exactly what Predators fans are dealing with right now. It's yeah. like, do we want you I don't, don't want them be... to actively tank, obviously, because I don't want right. anybody to have to actively tank. But if I'm rooting for outcomes outside of all the way to the Super Bowl, because that is the number one outcome I would obviously be rooting for, but is the most improbable outcome, then I would rather be the most probable and likely is that they're going to lose these next three games. Would that be uh, eight, seven, seven straight losses to end the yeah. season? That's, that's wild. Um, and yeah, you're right with, with like, I would never fire Mike, fire Mike Rabel, but a seven straight losses. 
That, that makes any owner in the NFL think. Uh, here's some good stuff for you. D. Good says, Zach's not wrong. I don't know what specifically he's referring to. Uh, that's the, talking about the, the the possibility of Amy Adams. Yes, drunk. there you go. Uh, and then here we go. Ever from Donnie, ever since Zach had that meltdown after the Bills game, which is still one of my favorite episodes, which you were you were kind of like dead wrong about at the time. But ultimately, and as he points out, you haven't missed even once since then. And you've been dead right basically the entire time. And I have said all through that winning streak, they still suck. They <laughs> know, still suck. They just are facing teams that suck even more. And I said they were paper, they were frauds. I called them frauds. Yeah. No, they they are man, it, it's like it's hard to see where this team was because you go back and you look at that that stretch where they went six and one and they 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 rattled off all those wins. And it's like the thing that helped that, that all those games have in common, not great teams, but opponents, but also they gave up 10 points, 10 points, 13 points, 17 yeah. points, 17 points, 10 points, 17 points, 10 points. And even last week, they did their job and they couldn't score enough. And now you have fewer offensive linemen and a quarterback like it's It's a train yeah. wreck, dude. It's a train wreck. Um, but I'm actually very interested in watching it. I also love New Year's Eve like, or Christmas Eve at noon. Like, that's a great time for the family to sit down and have a game going and, you know, have some have some festive, unless you're Unless you're highly beverages. invested in the team which then this will ruin your Christmas more than likely. Well, that that's fair too. Unless like you said, you're, you're, you're rooting for expectations. You're rooting for seven and 10. If you're rooting for seven and 10, uh, cause again, this, I'm this, not rooting for 10 and seven. Well, let's say that I'm either rooting for 10 and seven plus the, the Super Bowl wins or, or I'm rooting for seven and uh, 10, seven and 10. Yeah. And, and there's no in between for me. That's, and I think that's exactly where predators fans are. And the difference between the two organizations is that the singular voiced, strong, singular owner has made a big, difficult decision already for the Titans. They have made the big, difficult decision to get rid of John Robinson. And if they're going to continue to clean the slate and Vrabel's going to be the one that stays, then again, we're seeing all of the crossroads that Mike Vrabel talked about unfold before our very eyes with Tannehill's injury and the offensive line and Taylor Lewan's injury. Like it's all kind of happening. The, the way you would probably want to put it together if you were designing the, the, the wipe the slate clean kind of deal. You get rid of the GM, you get rid of the quarterback, you start a new generation of Titans football, and, and maybe through losing seven straight games is the way to do that. I don't, I don't know. That's why I don't think at this point in the, in the year with your starting quarterback is obviously injured and out, right? I mean, Ryan Tannehill, the offensive line is a mess. I don't think fans who are rooting for the draft pick are saying actively tank. They're just saying, I would rather have the draft pick over a playoff loss. And to be honest with you, I don't think those fans are losers like uh, these other holier than now gatekeeping fans do because ultimately what's better for the Titans than having a higher draft pick, nothing other than a Super Bowl. And so, well, so what, so let me, let me ask you a question quickly on the draft then, because I do think it's interesting if they are, they're they're not seated in the draft based on being the four seed in the division champ, right? They're based on where they go out of the, the playoffs, right? So they would be probably picking. Let's say they lose in the first round of the playoff game. Yeah, as a home team, and they're and, picking and, like twenty two. What? Well, they picked twenty six last year. So, uh, but they were the one. But doesn't does the one seed affect that on terms of where they go out? No. Uh, what I'm saying is, is that they they stayed in the playoffs longer. Um, so, what, so here, here's my question then. I'm trying to, and I'm, I'm asking this poorly, I guess. If they miss the playoffs altogether versus if they make the playoffs and lose one game. So that, which is, could be the difference in one game against Jacksonville, let's say. Yeah. We're talking about picking 
10th or 11th versus picking 20th, right? We're talking about 10 uh, spots. In the probably, that's what I'm saying. I think the 22nd pick would probably okay, so, be what so it was. 12, 12-ish spots in the draft is what yeah. we're talking about, right? So it's huge. I, pers- it is big, but personally, would I rather have the 22nd pick and a playoff opportunity and a division championship or the, the 10th or 11th pick and no playoff game yeah, and the 10th or 11th losses. There, there shouldn't be a d- discussion. What are you, you going to do with your up. playoff loss? You can move, I, I enjoy a week of football that you didn't get before. I don't know. I why don't know. this team sucks. Why do you want to watch this team? Or <laughs> I guess that's the thing. Like, no, why I, do you want to suffer? Take the 10, take the top 10 pick. Cause guess what? It's going to be easier to do to move up or move back. It's easier in the top 10, or you actually get an elite prospect because top 10 is usually the cutoff for an elite prospect. So I don't know. I think I would rather, you know, put my team in a better position next year because when you're talking about seven and 10, it's a lot easier to go from seven and 10 back to a winning record than it is for a rebuilding team. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're going full on rebuild. I think, I think I agree with this premise is that I think this team is a lot closer to a rebuild than a retool now. And okay. I think that the new GM is probably going to be rebuilding the team. So it's a lot easier to rebuild a team with higher draft picks than it is with lower draft picks. Because remember, I, I, it's not just the top 10 in the first round. It's top yeah. 10 in the second round, top 10 in the third round, fourth round, no, fifth true. round, sixth round. I, I think your point, though, at the very beginning, which is that, like, I don't think if you think, like, if you're a fan of the team and you want a playoff game or you want the top 10 pick, I don't think either side is wrong. Yeah, I don't like, think so I, either. I, I, think, I, I, think, I think, think it's okay. I think, I think okay. the people who who are gatekeeping saying, well, you need to show up to every home home game, especially when it's five degrees and your team fucking sucks, or you're not a real fan. And you can't root for your team to get better in the future. You got to root for the team to be mediocre now. That's Those are the fans I hate. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, man. Is that a wrestling voice? What was that voice? It was a little bit of both. A little bit of wrestling, a little bit yeah. of like... That's a, I feel like that's 300, a, I, 300 level redneck. Yeah. Well, I mean, was that the guy that does the um, the horrible macho man impression for oh, the Titans God. now that's oh, everywhere God. because, you know, 1045 overinflated his ego? Um, all right. So uh, do you, <laughs> we don't do predictions on the game. I am just going to say, and we'll wrap up the conversation. By the way, go to pharmacy, go to the Kingston Group, use them f- for all your home improvement, renovation, buying and selling needs. Uh, I also happen to know a realtor if you're looking for one. And that may be Zach Lyons. Can you go to Zach Lyons at KW.com to email me or Zach Lyons sells.com. That is an ad inside of an ad folks. Uh, Kingston group, of course, build KG.com. If you're making any, any big decisions about your house, Zach will help you buy or sell it. But if you, if you're going to have to do renovation to that property, which is always smart, it's a good way to make some money, add some equity on the front or the back end. Kingston group is, the, is a great place to do it that you can trust them. Nose to tail operation, no general contractors, none of this like guy leaving in the middle of a job bullshit. Like, Kingston Group, they're they, they're people you can trust. I have used them to build stuff at my house. I promise you, you can trust them. And of course, the pharmacy, one of the best burgers in the city, the best mustard in the city, and a great place to decompress during in-laws slash Titans train wreck losing streak season, which is where we are right now in the middle of all this. Again, that's over on McFerrin Avenue. Uh, pharmacy, great burgers, great tots, great beers, locally sourced. Both companies locally owned, support local business by checking out the Kingston group and checking out the pharmacy. Uh, no predictions, but I'm just generally interested in watching Malik Willis start three football games that do yeah, have playoff I, implications. They do have playoff implications. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. Sure. That's, that's about it. That's the word we can <laughs> use. <laughs> interesting. Um, all right. Real quickly here. Um, I, I, 
I want to ask you a general question about the college football calendar because the NFL is so good. And we're going to get to the portal because I think one particular team, the Kentucky Wildcats, have had already the best offseason maybe of anybody in the SEC. But I want to ask you as a, as a fan that has sort of developed more into a college football fan this year, you've watched more college football this year, you are a casual, but you're growing in your casual fandom of college football. I am curious because the NFL is so great at spacing out every single big thing that happens to your team in a way that they can capture your attention every month, 12 months a year. And college football is completely screwed up in that National Signing Day was Wednesday, their version of the draft. The portal was two weeks ago, right now taking place, their version of free agency. The playoffs are going to start to be in this week in December. Multiple bowl games everywhere. The coaching carousel is happening right now. Coaches are being hired and fired. College football, like, wouldn't you be more interested as a fan in the game if all of this stuff was spread out and not all happening in a two-week period of time right, right before the NFL playoffs? Yes, but that's going to be hard to do because then you bleed into certain things on the calendar, into combine, into free agency for the NFL and stuff like that. It's it's difficult because of how – so basically, college football playoffs are, what, June 8th? Or June, January eighth or ninth or something like that. So the the semis, the final, are, the final is the eighth. The semis are going to be New Year's Eve this year, but the yeah. play, the, but the future playoff games are going to be happening this week and the week yeah. before potentially. But so, then you're still going to have bowl games all between that too, right? Right. Yeah. So like it's going to be hard for them to to push this stuff and not affect programs because you already got your recruiter recruits coming in and doing uh, football. I saw. UT fans jizzing all over themselves over the Nico throws <laughs> or whatever. Um, I mean, my good lord, UT fans just <laughs> the worst. They're so I, they annoying. do they do love uh, a five second clip of a fr true yeah. freshman quarterback <laughs> uh, who probably is not even going to start next year. Uh, but you know all this stuff. You know, I, I think it's hard because the calendar you're they're a little bit more hamstrung by, I feel like the calendar of the schools and the colleges than they are of anything else. Some and, and then you got the NFL in it. So like, even if they were trying to do it around Super Bowl week, right. You know, start this transfer portal mess up around Super Bowl week because Super Bowl is like February 6th or 5th or something like that typically. And then, February 22nd, you got the combine. So you only got this short amount of time. Well, I don't think it's necessarily competing against somebody else. It's just like, if I want to be a college football, like the NFL is the biggest PR, you know, vacuum of attention that there's ever been in sports. But like, if you are a diehard fan of anything else, Major League Baseball does this really well as well. Like the hot stove, the NBA does this really well. Well, they have created, it's almost more interesting. If you're an NBA fan, you're almost more interested in, in the drama of the player movement in the offseason than you are watching full NFL or, or NBA regular season games. Is there even an NCAA network? Because it's all SEC broken no, up, there's, right? No, there's not. And there so, you go. There's one thing. NCAA network. Well, we just came up with it. Let's put it out there. Well, no. Then you get your Schefter. You get your college Schefter. You get your college Rappaport. Get your college Chris Mortensen. Then get everything. And you, that's what you got to do. Well, it does. And you're, you're, you don't realize how accurate you kind of are on this. Like, to get it to that point... It, what's going to have to happen is 50 or 60 teams are going to have to break away. They're going to have to create a front office and there's going to have to be a commissioner and it will not be the NCAA, but it'll be all those same things you just talked, you just said. And that's how they're going to move the portal day to like January after the championship game, move early signing period from December to August, because like you cannot, December is going to break for college football fans. It's going to break. So getting to the, the topic, 
which is the Kentucky Wildcats. So right now, in my opinion, no, no, no comment about my clever, clever. I, well, there's title. no, it's not even tied to the NCAA. The NCAA doesn't even own the championship. Yeah, but I'm talking about Portal Combat, Mortal Combat. Oh, oh, Portal. Sorry, sorry. Yes, I love. No, I love your pithy one-liners at the bottom okay. of the show. I love those. Those are my favorite part of working with you, Zach. That and being called a fucking idiot early in the show. Um, no, so Portal Combat, Wildcats Fatalities. It makes cool. you feel any better. Mike Cardin has been called a fucking idiot numerous times. <laughs> That's, hey, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. Um, no, I. so the reason I asked you that question is to set up the Kentucky conversation here, which is the most important thing that I could argue is happening right now in the SEC could be the fact that the Kentucky Wildcats hired Liam Cohen back as their offensive coordinator. They went into the portal and got Devin Leary, who's probably the best quarterback on the quote-unquote market from NC State. 35 touchdowns, five interceptions two years ago. Very good player. And they went and got Davis from Vanderbilt, maybe the best running back in the in the portal. They went and upgraded their <laughs> – sounds sort of like what the Titans should be doing this offseason maybe. Um, they, they went and upgraded the quarterback situation. They went and upgraded their offensive coordinator situation, and they went and upgraded their backfield situation with some good running back. And nobody really is talking about it, right? And right. And so that's like arguably one of the most important things that's happened around anything in the SEC East in particular. Like if you're a Tennessee fan, a South Carolina fan, a Florida fan, like Florida got their quarterback, Graham Mertz, out of Wisconsin. He's not, he doesn't move the needle for me. But if I'm a Tennessee fan or a Georgia fan, like the thing that impacts this, my team the yeah. most is this Kentucky shit. And the problem is, is that no one is it's impossible to even know that that's a main topic because you got bowl games and coaching carousel and national signing day and, and everybody entering the transfer portal. I think right. like there's, I think everybody like, I think for me, it's, it's it, when it free agency happens, you know that free agency is coming and you know, who's inner, who's going to be a free agent right here. It's like, okay, well, all these college teammates and players are just kind of like sprinkling through the transfer portal and they're just kind of dripping the news out here and there and that's the worst way to do it they're just texting each other they're like hey you yeah. gonna go to the portal i might go to the portal what do you yeah, think about the portal? the portal and, you guys and go it's the portal? like at some point maybe there needs to be like a entering the portal deadline and then okay at this is the cutoff to enter in the portal and then we're gonna let it marinate for a week or two and then, okay, portal days open. You're now free agent. Here you go. Pick so, your teams. So legal tampering. It's the legal tampering version. Yeah, you, of, I think you need that. I think so you there, need like a. There are deadlines. Yeah, are, but it, it just seems like. It just seems like maybe the portal announcements all need to be like on one day or something. I, I don't know really how to do it other well, it, than the fact that I just, I get lost because yeah, like you impossible. said, uh, someone signs, but that same day, maybe three bigger players enter in the portal like, like it's just it's a mess we get paid college football media get paid to, to to track and follow all this stuff and it is during the holiday season with bowls and the college football playoff coming and coaches changing jobs and all this stuff happening like those of us who get paid to follow it all can't follow it all i don't know how a fan would follow it all but if you made the portal date after the national championship game hypothetically like january 15th and then it closes. And then on March 1st, everyone has spring practice. And by March 1st, you have to be on a campus. You have to pick your school. And it's a it's five weeks of free agency. Like, that's fine. Like, that would be easy to follow. There's no games happening. There's no playoff. There's no signing. Like, you could do it all to where we could pay attention to it. And then you can market it to your fans as a product of entertainment value. Like, again, Kentucky just had a great couple of weeks. 
and nobody even knows because we're so focused on like a million other things. And yeah, so, I think that's a good way to do it is because, you know, then you have a list, right? Okay, here's the list of all the, the college free agents, for lack of a better term, that are in the, tra the their transfer portal. Now, you got a little bit of time to maybe build a product and content around it. Like, oh, well, here's uh, on the, for particularly us. You know, here's some of the, the people that the SEC play or SEC team should target. Yeah. Right. And and now we have a dedicated list to pull from instead of, okay, did this guy already sign? Did he already leave? Is he entering the portal? Where Where's he at? And, like, and, I, and I'm all for players having the flexibility to make the yeah. right decisions for themselves. I'm just saying, like, once we add playoff games on top of this, because that's, again, imagine trying to cover National Signing Day, which was yesterday on Wednesday. Team, players moving all over the place in the portal, coaching carousel, bowl season. But now we're going to have four playoff games this week, too. Not, not, everything else will get lost. Everything else will get lost. And I just think December as a schedule for college football will break. It's just going to break. And there needs to be a solution. Again, move sign. The story people ask me, I've, been, I've done a bunch of interviews and people are like, what's the biggest story with National Signing Day? And I'm like, that it doesn't feel like it matters anymore. Yeah. Like that, the story isn't that like, oh, Ole Miss lost some players or Hugh Freeze jumped up in the rankings or, oh my God, Alabama and Georgia have good players coming in. Like none of that's the story. The story is that it's not a story. Like the more important story is what Kentucky Wildcats just did with their coordinator and their quarterback and their running back. That's way more important than signing 22 players that maybe two of them are going to play this year. Like right. it's, and I, and I'm a big believer in recruiting being extreme. It's, it's obviously the lifeblood of your college football. Program. It also seems weird that all these players are doing this when they should be preparing for a bowl game. Some, some teams and like that to me is kind of what is a little weird is that it seems like all these players are jumping ship or declaring this or declaring that or doing this, doing that. And there's still a lot of games to be played. Well, all these coaches, I mean, Cincinnati yeah. just, Cincinnati just got smoked by Louisville and and Cincinnati took Louisville's coach. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't coach on either side of the game. Yeah. <laughs> so if the coaches are doing it, I don't have a problem with the players doing it. Yeah, but I, do I think it. that needs to change too. Like, and I that, think at a certain point, you got to start, you got to make it more like the NFL. It, you just listen, have to. The, and every single major sport in this country has figured out how to spread out their calendar to yeah. make more important events throughout the entire year more marketable for the fans to A, follow, and B, make profit off of. And I'm not suggesting that I'm all like for the big business cronyism here or whatever of college football, but it is almost impossible to track everything that's happened in the last two weeks. And if you're a college football fan, like you just can't, you can't really do it. And now we're going to add playoff games to all this craziness. It's insane. And so move the signing, move national signing day to August, maybe August 1st, right? At the start of camp, you have a really truly early signing period. So recruiting takes place before the season, right? So that's a tent pole event that you can have right after media days. Then make sure your portal is after the season. Let, let your coaching carousel live in December. And then all of a sudden you've extended your regular season the way the NFL has done. And you've and now you've got like July through February content instead of just like August through January. Right. Right. And I think that's that will happen. But only if there's a centralized league office with a 50 or 60 team breakaway that's no longer the NCAA and it becomes, uh, you know something else like the CFB or whatever. I don't know. Like it, it becomes something different. So Brain, um, I have a question. Shoot, man. Can you make me care about recruiting? <laughs> How about this? In the playoff era since 2014, only four teams have made the playoffs 
with an average recruiting class outside of the top 15. So if you are inside the top 15 on average over a five-year period of time, that is how you make the playoff. Tennessee top 10, for example, this year, finished with the 10th rated class. That gives you a chance. You've got to be in the top 15. TCU this year, Cincinnati last year, Washington State, or Washington, excuse me, in, in 2015 and Michigan State in 2016. Those are the only four teams out of, what, 40 spots that have made the playoffs without a top 15 class. Don't care about the individual athlete. Don't spend time scouting them. Don't worry about their star ranking. Don't don't worry about it. Pay attention to where your team is rated in the team rankings. When, when is that officially finalized? Like, not, when, when should I care about that? Not until February, but it's but it's like ninety five percent done right now. Gotcha. Like you're you're in it right now. Now again, now the portal changes and all this other stuff, and there's more player movement post signing than ever before. Which again, to me, is the story. What's the big story about National Signing Day is that it means less than it ever has, and that that is a again that's bad news if you're trying to market something to a college football audience. But still, team rankings is all that matters. Top 15. You got to be roughly in the top 15 to have any chance at all to in the SEC to win your division, win a championship, go to the playoff, compete for playoff championships. Like you've got to be in the top 15. And uh, Josh Heupel now I think has I think he was 16th last year and then 10th this year. So far so good if you're a Tennessee fan. So Florida's in the top 15. A&M went from 1 down to 15 this year. They were 15th this year. Um how about this? Texas and Oklahoma, four and eight in the rankings, which would be three and five in the SEC. That just knocks everybody down a peg. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're in the SEC, it makes life real hard for South Carolina and Arkansas and Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Um, so it's going to get even deeper and more difficult to recruit in the SEC in a year and a half when Texas and Oklahoma arrive, which, by the way, there are rumors that they could arrive even earlier than that. I'm not surprised <laughs> at all, to be honest with you. All about the money. Money talks, baby. Um, all right. I think that's about it. Uh, you got any, oh, uh, the you got Union a- Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl preview? You don't want to. You don't want to get into this the, Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl preview. The 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 Pharmacy Kingston Group Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl preview brought to you by <laughs> 440 Sports and Broadway Sports Media. Uh, Wake Forest, <laughs> Wake Forest in Missouri never played. I am shocked that Wake Forest and Missouri have never played. I feel like they're equal kind of programs that should be playing more often. They've never played. So lots of points. I actually don't gamble on bowl games. I think it's stupid. But I kind of – I would take Missouri good defense, Wake Forest good offense. If Sam Hartman plays for Wake Forest, I like Wake Forest there. So – I did too. Um, uh, I was I was thinking Wake Forest should win easily, but you know that depends on Sam Hartman's availability. Yeah, if he plays, then I like I like Wake Forest. That's it, it's a it's a pretty even matchup. Um, I I bowl games are so hard. Gambling on bowl games is is that's borderline degenerate behavior. It's rough because uh, you you know you don't never know about motivation. You never yeah. know. Well, that was the the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl Preview by 440 Sports, <laughs> brought to you by the Keystone Group at the Pharmacy. The best <laughs> Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl Preview out there. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, it, it <laughs> don't 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 bet on football bowl games, please, folks. Just don't bet on bowl games. Uh, it will be a lot of points though, and it should be fun to watch. So enjoy it. And there's also lots of other good games. North Carolina, Oregon over the weekend. Check that one out over your holiday week. Uh, by the way, I should have done this way earlier in the show, but I apologize. I forgot to do it. Um, next show will be Tuesday at 1 p.m. 
We're then going to be on Friday after the Thursday night game. And then Tuesday, January 3rd, because the next two Mondays are holidays. So we're just going to, we're still here for you guys. We're just going to be here for you guys on Tuesdays over the next couple of weeks. So check that out. Should have said that a long time ago, Zach. My fault. Um, otherwise, make sure you check out the F Words pod. Make sure you check out the Mike Herndon show. Subscribe to Broadway Sports Media. Check out all the 440 sports pods across the Preds, Nashville SC, all the other great shows, Fringe Element. Uh, make sure you check out all that great stuff as well. Thank you guys for listening. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. Merry Christmas. The Festivus for the rest of us. The airing of grievances and the feats of strength. Enjoy all of it, everybody. Thanks to the Kingston Group and thanks to the Pharmacy for being our wonderful and amazing sponsor. Merry Christmas, everybody. For Zach, I'm Braden. This has been a football show. Thanks. Thanks.